Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. Yes, yes. Welcome into the Tim McKernan Show on remote. It's vacation week, but podcasting never stops. It's questions from the audience, which is really just questions slash opinions. We had a we had a period of time in which we had uh, erotic stories week in and week out. The erotic stories have uh, come grinding to a halt. I still would love to hear any of them. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com, T-M-C-K-E-R-N-A-N at InsideSTL.com is how you can email in questions, comments, opinions, erotic stories, whatever. Everything is welcome. I encourage hate mail, but I don't get it, uh, at least not in the form of a questions from the audience style hate mail. Like, hey, I don't like you. I don't like what you do. Why do you do this? That's not the way that it comes in. But I'm encouraging it. I want anything and I want everything. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Our sponsors for the podcast, TheHomeLoanExpert.com, Ryan Kelly, Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, James Carlton, the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency, Jim Rogers, Restoration One of CentralStLouis.com, Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, and Jamie Burkhardt. And Clayton Patterson, they are with Munganest, the official automotive dealership of the Tim McKernan Show. Uh, I just got a car at Alton Toyota, online at altontoyota.com. And then they have the Tim McKernan Show special, the Ryan Kelly Morning After special, uh, at St. Louis Acura. And this is unreal. This is the deal. 2020 MDX, all-wheel drive lease. No money down. $349 a month. 36-month lease. That's at stlouisacura.com. Mason, Manchester, 270, right in that area. That's right. That's the one. That's where you can get it. Just let them know you're a Tim McKernan Show listener, and you get a 2020 Acura MDX all-wheel drive lease for $349 a month with zero down. Tax title, license extra. It's at stlouisacura.com and at Alton Toyota, online at altontoyota.com. They have several new Toyotas with 0% financing available. It's Munganest, the official dealership of the Tim McKernan Show podcast. And Ryan Kelly, thehomeloanexpert.com. He, who I refinanced through in April, he who I am working with now, got pre-approved here. You might be able to hear my son in the background downstairs. He may make an appearance. I'm upstairs. He's downstairs. He could make an appearance on the podcast. Uh, We will see. But anyway, I got pre-approved with Ryan Kelly a couple weeks ago. Um, Refinanced with him back in April. And both times, now I can speak to both firsthand couldn't have been simpler and here's what i'm finding out and many of you may be aware of this it is an absolute seller's market it is crazy how quickly homes are going great if you're selling a home tough if you're buying a home put yourself in position to be ready to go by getting pre-approved through ryan kelly you're gonna go through the process anyway might as well get it done in advance because it's like having cash at the table Go to thehomeloanexpert.com. Ryan Kelly and his outstanding staff will take great care of you. Got some good questions. And here's the thing, with the election being the focus, um, a bunch, I don't say a bunch, but there's some good ones here that were kind of stored up for the winter. And um, and I didn't get to them, but I didn't want to delete them because I always knew that they they would be good. Um, and, uh, and this was one as I was scrolling back for my saved ones that I was like, ah, I want to make sure I get to this one. And so I'm going to lead off with it because sometimes I read these and I, and I have a sense that when I read them, they're going to lead to something we'll be talking about a few episodes from now. So as I'm recording, um, it is November 17th, 2020. My guess is this email 
will lead to emails that I will be reading in December. Tim, I've been trying to come up with thoughts on the state of our lives right now, and I keep coming back to one word, respect. By the way, this was sent in in October, so this is a pre-election email. I grew up in the city, IHM, if I'm not mistaken, that stands for Immaculate Heart of Mary, but went west to Chaminade for high school and stayed with a private education by going to Rockhurst. We are the same age and have a number of mutual friends and uh, a number of other acquaintances after college. I actually had the privilege of hanging out with you one night at Maggie O'Brien's. True, it happened. I'm playing the lemming card. My question to you is, when did we lose the concept of respect? We respected our elders. We called them Mr. or Mrs. I still do at 44. We respected teachers. We respected police. We respected authority. We may not have agreed with everything that came from authority, but we gave it respect. We understood the consequences of our actions, and we understood that authority figures were trying to help us make good decisions. Today, I struggle trying to convince my kids, four of them, by the way, how to respect. I know what I want them to do, but it is hard when their peers aren't being taught the same way, when they see the rioting, when they see the violence, and when they see the disrespect of authority every day. Don't get me wrong, not all authority figures deserve our respect, but I still respect the idea that they represent. Kids call me by my first name. Not all, but many do. Kids want to argue with police, stating they know their rights, and kids want to question authority to the point that they feel that it is their right to disobey. To get to my point, when we were in grade schools, we were taught proper nouns, doctor, lawyer, senator, and president, and we were taught that you capitalize those words out of respect. We respected their position, maybe not the person, but we gave them their due. In the past three-plus years, I've seen the term president with a lowercase p in just about everything I read. I lean right, but he's a moron. I think we all agree, but I still respect the office of the president. It was how I was taught and raised. I don't agree with your views on the last president, but I still respected his position, and I give you the respect that they are your views, and I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong. I give my parents credit and love for instilling respect in me. I give my education the same credit and love. I would be really scared to be growing up in the world today. So to my original question, when did we lose the concept of respect? Thanks, I'll hang up and listen. That's from Drew Bader, government name, a real-life government name. All right, well, I think that what's going to wind up happening is we're going to get a bunch of emails answering this question, which I want. I want that because it's not like I'm the answer key. This is, you know, this is opinion. Um, but as I read your email, Drew, um, and as I'm sure a number of you listening to this, you were coming up with your opinion of the answer to the question, when, if you agree with the premise, by the way, when did we lose the concept of respect? Um, my initial theory is the following social media. Um, that's when I think, that's when I think it happened. Uh, I guess if you wanted to dig further into it, you could perhaps, if you wanted to, and I'm not sure I necessarily agree with it, but I'm just for the sake of the discussion introducing other ideas, um, would be email slash texting becoming the main form of communication. Um, If that is true, what that has done is taken away the requirement for face-to-face communication or, in the case of a phone call, um, the ability not only to hear the person you're talking to or the person you're talking to hearing your tone change, but then also in a conversation as opposed to a text, there is a give and take. And if somebody is saying something that is actually factually inaccurate, you can stop them and say, hold on a second. Ideally, you do so politely. And say, well, that's that right there. That if you're if you're angry because of that, that's not true. And I, I I don't think that this is outlandish. But if you are sitting across from someone or standing face to face with someone, the manner with which you treat them is going to be different as opposed to de- the dehumanization of somebody as just an avatar or a username, whether it be on a message board or on social media. And so that's when I think it changed. So whether you point to the advancement of email in the 1990s, texting in the aughts, and uh, Facebook, Twitter in the aughts, and certainly uh, you know growing exponentially here in the teens, from my standpoint, that's it. 
it's it, but it, but I'm not specifying it to email. I'm not specifying it to text. Uh, I think it exponentially increased with social media. But the overall premise would be when one did not have to communicate face to face or at the very least voice to voice. I really do believe that um, because I think that that is when people no longer became human. They became just a username. They became, oh, well, I can motherfuck this person because they're anonymous. And that's, by the way, one of the issues I oftentimes go back to, the anonymity, the things that people will say thinking that they are anonymous. Um, you know, we deal with it, for example, on TMA with the text inbox. Once somebody knows that we actually know their name, the tone changes. Uh, and so then they create burner text accounts. Um, it, it's, it, it, but, of course, you see it on Twitter. I, I think we talked about burner accounts a couple of months ago. Um, and you certainly have it in, like, the STL Today comment section is one of the... But, I mean, it's comment sections across the board. YouTube comments, Instagram comments, burners. I don't know what the motive is for it. And I'm, ta- I'm not talking about somebody going, well, I have a job and it wouldn't be good if they knew that I followed, you know, Abigail Mack, um, which is a totally separate discussion, but why would it matter? But nonetheless, I know that it would, but I don't understand the why of it. Um, but either way, digressing, when somebody has a burner account and they use that burner account to attack people, I don't know what that's about. I don't know what the psychology of that is, the anger of that is about. Like I'm going to attack somebody from my burner account. What has to happen in the first 20 years or the last 10 years of somebody's life to get to that point? I don't know. Um, but, I mean, we know it exists, certainly. So, you know, the general question of um, disrespect, uh, I think it is is from not having to communicate face-to-face or at the very least on phone calls. And I should make this clear, because I'm sure a few of you listening to this are like, well, dude, you hate phone calls. And I do. Uh, it's, but it's really not necessarily about me hating phone calls. I'm not good. Like, how about this? I am sitting in a, in a bedroom, uh, doing a podcast right now on vacation, talking to myself, just looking at a lamp. And so you can imagine what it's like to be on the phone with me. It's awful. I feel terribly like, um, the unofficial title of the podcast. Now we've officially hit it. I think I've said this before. But Doug Vaughn and I have worked together on either TV or radio for 20 years. And we have, and while I think we have some um, chemistry, certainly, where I can, as the point guard, get the ball in his hands and he's going to hit the shot better than perhaps anybody's ever done it. We, like, for real, I've talked with many of you listening to this about TMA or the business of TMA or Inside STL. 10 times more than I've talked with Doug about it. It's just not the way that we op. We just kind of do the show, you know? Um, the the business of it or the rumors of the business of it, I think, consume the audience, not all the audience, certainly, but like, you know, I have a handful of people in the audience more than the people on the show. But I think that's probably the case if you were to like uh, draw an analogy to um, like a sports team or something like that. Like I recall like early on in my career interviewing the Cardinals and I would base a lot of my questions off of what was going on on message boards because you didn't have Twitter at the time. And I remember asking some of the questions. I remember one time like Matheny overhearing me ask, I think Edmonds a question. So that group of Cardinals, you know, 2000 through 2004. And Matheny, not, you know, not like, uh, you know, a guy who would be one that you would think of, but Matheny just like started laughing, not like laughing, not like it was funny, just like, this is so fucking stupid that you're asking this question. And it wasn't even on camera. It was just bullshitting. Um, So you get caught up in a bubble, but the bubble isn't real. I see Bill Maher sometimes say Twitter isn't real. Democrats have to realize that you can't run the party based on what some people on Twitter are saying. So to take a step back on what I was talking about, I get on a phone call and I just go, kind of like this podcast. I just go. I don't know if it's a good thing or a bad thing. I don't really know. I I don't know if you can call one good or bad when there's really not intent to it. It's just how my mind works or does not work, whichever one you would want to pick. But it's weird. I know it's weird. So if I get on the phone and I go around the dais when TMA was six people, that means I was talking to Doug, I was talking to the cat, I was talking to the plowhawk, I was talking to Agony, I was talking to Gangster Pete. 
and each one of the calls would be a minimum of a half hour. Um, not because they were talking, but because I'd be going on and on and on and on. And it's just, it's just bizarre. So that's why I don't like to be on the phone. But I certainly, you know, when these times would come where I would want to let them know what's going on, um, it, it, it needed more than a text. It certainly needed more than an email. And so I wanted to get on the phone so they could ask questions and they could hear it in my voice, what was going on and what the truth was as opposed to, you know, what's normally would happen, which would be some bastardized version of it. And, uh, you know, that, that's, that, that I think has been lost. Now I could be wrong. Somebody else could point to something else and, and there might be a variety of answers, but to me, that's it. To me, that is it. And to me, it's so easy to point to it. So I'm curious if people agree with that. Uh, T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. But Drew, that is a great email, and I appreciate you sending it in. I'm sorry it took me a few weeks to get to it. Here's another good one, Uh, and this was also pre-election, but it's in November. Hey, Tim, I thought I would take a brief respite from the political talk to discuss something we all agree about, and that is far less polarizing, religion. You've openly discussed categorizing yourself as being agnostic. I often think of religious belief as being a continuum and was curious if pressed, would you be closer or further from being an atheist? In my own personal experience, I would classify myself as nominally Roman Catholic, but if I were to be honest, I really should probably classify myself as agnostic since I really don't know. The idea that there is one true religion seems like a logical fallacy and something I have a hard time getting past. I have found the study of different religions fascinating, though, because there are often political, social, and economic rationale that underpin the various belief systems in the world. Is the term agnostic just a cop-out and an easy way for people to hedge their bets and not really commit to being a specific religion or saying they're atheist? This is intended to be, this is not intended to be a criticism. I'm just interested to hear how others view the world because that informs my own view. Again, I'm enjoying the show. That's from Not Caller Adam. Well, the one thing that stood out to me there was, um, is the term agnostic just a cop-out? And I don't know if it stood out to me because it, it uh, maybe would be considered hot button. But I consider the term agnostic to just be honest because I don't know. And I guess when it, in reality, we're all agnostic, but it's just a matter of how we go about handling not knowing. So I think oftentimes religion is the byproduct of not knowing to create some semblance of earthly certainty on something, of course, that none of us can be certain of. But what a refreshing way to go through life. Um, I would actually describe myself, we had S.E. Cup on the show, and a number of you may know her. Um, I think she gained um, fame, for traction, from appearances on Real Time with Bill Maher. Uh, and then she got a CNN show. And I guess, you know, she... I don't know. I feel like this is almost like a tactic now, although I think she was genuine when it was going on. I don't I don't see her show now. But we did have her on the show. And, and the tactic I'm making reference to is say that you are a Republican, but then give liberal points of view. It's like it gives your liberal points of view more credibility since you're a Republican. Or say you're a Democrat but then give Republican points of view, give conservative points of view. It gives your Republican, um, you know, credibility uh, greater weight if you're saying, well, I'm a liberal, but, I mean, you know, you know what I mean? And I'm, as I'm saying this, I'm sure you can think of some people who would fall under that umbrella. It's, it's almost like it's a strategy. Um, it's a, you know, it's, a, it's, it's like if I were to say, well, I mean, I'm a liberal, but my God, Donald Trump has done all these wonderful things. I can't help but be supportive of him. That kind of game or... Well, I'm a conservative, but my God, I mean, Trump is such a, you know, this or that, that kind of thing. But taking that out of the equation, it stands out to me because when she was on with us, uh, I asked her a question regarding, because she's very, she's conservative, but um, I, I think, I think, I don't know if it was atheist or agnostic. I can't remember. But either way, it was one of the two. And there's a difference. There's a difference. But, um, I remember asking her that question, and she said, I would describe myself, and I'm paraphrasing here because it's been a few years, I would describe myself as somebody who is either atheist or agnostic, but hopeful that I'm wrong, something along those lines. And that is where I would fall. So I'll question where I would fall. That's where I, That's how I would describe myself. Um, you used, not call Adam, the term 
Uh, one thing this this stood out to me because I think when I was a kid, I remember thinking this, which is just shows how my mind was set up that on Judgment Day, uh, God would make an announcement which religion was correct. Like there would like it was like the number one draft pick would be announced. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you for gathering here on Judgment Day. I am here to announce which religion was correct after all of the wars for centuries. It is my pleasure to announce that Christianity, but specifically Catholicism, had it right for all of this time. That was my mindset. So that, that that's who you're listening to. Um, and then, yes, of course, now at 44, you go, okay, that's ridiculous. Um, but I think they are all rooted in two things. How to get along while we're here and what awaits us as potentially a reward for the first part of how we get along while we're here uh, when we pass away. Um, it, that, that seems to be the theme. How to live and what happens when we die. Um, and certainly there are a number of people who operate with a great sense of certainty as to knowing. I've actually had people, and not necessarily in a mean-spirited way, although I, some of them have come from people who I know aren't necessarily the kindest people, um, which I suppose is another reason why I probably moved more towards being agnostic because some of the people who fancied themselves as religious were some of the worst frauds I encountered in my life. Uh, and that still goes that way. I would say um, there's a lot of people, I've blocked more people with scripture in their uh, Twitter bios than people uh, who don't have it. So, you know, do with that what you want. There's just a statistic that you can analyze. Uh, but just frauds, absolute frauds, gross, um, who've hijacked uh, beautiful words to fit their own existence. And uh, I... I, I just have a, diff, I have a real difficult time with it. I think it pushes me away from, from being, you know, into it. But then at the same time, I think of some of the finest people I know, and they are religious. So it, it, you can't go just one way or the other on it. But when it comes to um, religion, I hope, I hope that there is something wonderful awaiting on the other side. I hope it's not as simple as, like, the ending of The Sopranos. It just goes black. But from a logic standpoint, that's where my mind is. Um, and as I was about to say, I've had people email me, and they say, it's just I, I can't wrap my mind around thinking that way, as in they can't wrap their mind around thinking the way I think. And in a way, I love hearing that because they operate. I remember listening to, I think it was a documentary on Pat Tillman, um, the former Arizona Cardinal who left the NFL to go serve. Uh, following September 11th, my personal absolute hero. Just, I mean, it's, people say, who's your hero? And you know, I don't know, I don't really have one. There's one right there. That's the one, actually. Uh, and one of the reasons why wasn't just what he did in principle and how I just can't begin to admire that enough um, was also he yearned for knowledge. He studied, he was, a, he was atheist, but he studied all kinds of religions. So it wasn't coming from a place of certainty. It was coming from a place of wanting to know more. Um, and so that's how I would describe myself. I find the topic fascinating. I find the topic fascinating because there is no answer. So you can talk about it forever. Um, but I don't find the term agnostic to be a cop-out. It's, it's on, I mean, because if I were to say I'm atheist, then, then that would operate from a position of certainty that there is no God, and that's not where I am. Um, but to say that I am Christian or Jewish or Muslim or Buddhist, uh, that would be inaccurate. That's just not, that's not where I am. So, you know, born Catholic, but as I sit here at 44, I would describe myself as agnostic. However, there are teachings, and the teachings that I've learned the most in my life going to Catholic school, that I think are absolutely beautiful. I mean, it's ridiculously beautiful and great teachings for how to go about living one's life. Um, so that's what I take from it. And the traditions are also oftentimes beautiful. Um, so there is, there's not a hatred of religion. I would say that I have a disdain for those who do not match the practice of the teachings and then use them to advance political or selfish agendas. That 
is what I have a disdain for. But I appreciate that question, uh, not caller Adam. All right, let's see what we got here. More, 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 more. Um, got a bunch. Let's see. I think this one was a good one. Um, hey, Tim, thanks for reading this and discussing on air. I really, so I think he was talking, the title of this is You Were Right. Um, I really thought, by, I think I read this after the election. I really thought Biden would win comfortably, not overwhelmingly, but with some level of certainty by midnight. Clearly not the case. So then he followed up by saying, Hey, Tim, thanks for reading this and discussing on air. I really enjoyed your take, especially concerning the Vegas odds and how that played out on election night. It's not a world I understand, nor have I seen anyone else diving into that for President of the United States predictions, uh, President of the United States predictions. Very uh, interesting, and I appreciate listening to unique and interesting answers. The below was some real prisoner of the moment shit that morning. I saw Georgia, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin going Trump's way. Couldn't believe 71 to 72 million still saw Trump as a preferred option, regardless of alternative being Biden. Couldn't agree more that we were missing the days of choosing between two incredibly intelligent, worthy, and respectable people like Obama and McCain. Do you see any hope of Congress elevating above pure partisanship, or will the next four years be similar to the legendary Obama-McConnell gridlock? Agree with you and Gangster Pete that having a Republican Senate prevents Democrats from overcorrecting or revenge cucking. Revenge cucking. At the same time, I'm naively hoping for some revert to past norms with occasional bipartisanship. And just a note, Pizza Go-Go is incredible. We are roughly the same age, Melville 94 with Mark Hanna. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. He is my guy. He should be your guys too. Uh, your guy, too. And Pizza Go-Go was on South Grand at Gravoy when we were kids slash teens. It was awesome then, still awesome. Thanks, that's from Aaron. So I had never heard of Pizza Go-Go. Of course, this isn't what he emailed in about, but you know me. It's ADD Theater here. And I, Gangster Pete brought it up, I think, on TMA. And I, I, it's so it's it's in it's in my neighborhood, South City, uh, my where I grew up. And while I'm not in St. Louis right now, I got to tell you something. It might be the first place we hit when we get back to St. Louis, because I've got people raving about this pizza go go. So I've got to try it out. So Gangster Pete, uh, thank you for the recommendation, and Aaron, thank you for following up on it. As far as your question goes, do I see any hope? of Congress elevating above pure partisanship. Yes, I do. And I, and here's my reasoning for it. it. It might not be the optimistic, idealistic take you may want, but I think it may be because of necessity that it will have to. Um, I also think that there is an appetite, not on the, 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 the far ends of the bell curve, but people who may have voted for a combination of Obama, Trump, Biden, and I think they're there uh, in decent numbers. I think probably maybe more so in the St. Louis metropolitan area than, say, like a California or New York or Birmingham, but um, of of getting away from what's gone on. Um. So I do, but I also think it's going to be born out of necessity like that the United States, as I sit here and talk, um, is, in, is in bad shape, and so it will be born out of necessity. Bad shape pandemic-wise, bad shape economy-wise, bad shape uh, socially, bad shape division-wise. Take your pick. Uh, and I don't th- and, and as, I, as I said a few times on questions from the audience, I've now said it on TMA as well, I think... And this is all, you know, with the monster asterisk that I don't know how realistic it is. But if we can get to Inauguration Day with, uh, as I'm sitting here, there are two vaccines that people are uh, confident in. One um, from Pfizer and one from Moderna, the the 94.5% success rate. Uh, If we can get there and um, there is a calm so to speak, about the transition of power. And it looks like the pandemic is approaching the rearview mirror. I really believe, and I said this with Gangster Pete in the studio, and I think I said it the day after the election, uh, whether Trump would have won or not, whether Biden won or not, didn't matter, because I, I thought this months ago, as soon as we get on the other side of this, assuming we get on the other side of it, I expect a boom, but it will be a conscious boom. Because all of us who lived through this will not forget it. It will. It, I don't think it'll ever go away. 
Um, and so it will shape our mindsets going forward, just like, um, you know, in my case, grandparents who lived through the Depression. There's a reason why their kids or they themselves approached spending money differently than we did because they lived through what it was like to not have it. And so those of us who lived through the pandemic um, will never forget it. I mean, you know, the way the world changed as quickly as it did and how it remains this way. You know, what are we talking here? Eight plus months later, as I'm sitting here, with record-breaking numbers, as I'm sitting here, is not something we are going to forget. Um, I think in some, you know, again, I would call it a wing of the bell curve, the thought process, jokingly, but I think there was some seriousness to it, was that once uh, Election Day came and went, that the pandemic would magically disappear. And, you know, I think at this point now, I'm talking two weeks since Election Day, I think we can all agree that that didn't happen. Um, So... It's still something we're navigating, but if we can get to the end of January and if there is a calm transition of power, I think we can experience, I think that there will be a boom. Again, you got to, but so many boxes have to be checked. Uh, The transition of power, the pandemic appearing to be uh, in the rearview mirror, however it appears to be in the rearview mirror, those kinds of things, uh, I think that America will come raging out of this in a positive way. I really do believe that. And I, and I would have said that, by the way, if President Trump would have been reelected, it didn't matter because it wasn't about who was in the White House. It was about the mindset of the people. And so that's where I'm coming from on it. Um, let's see what else we have. Uh, Tim, I see you post pictures to your social media and then people make comments that are kind of complimentary but also kind of mean-spirited does it make you hesitate to post pictures to your social media of your family it seems strange to me that you keep doing it thanks and that comes from john w uh well it's something that uh i don't really i i think i i don't know i have to say that it's once you have a child that changes the game the child changes the game um that's that's and I, I, I think I guess the way I would describe it is this. I think people are looking at it more as a, oh, Tim jokes around on his podcast or on the show and on social media. So I'm going to joke around, too. And so I don't you know, it's just it's kind of the way that it works. I don't take it, you know, and, and usually it's in a reference to me out kicking my coverage. So if anything, it's at least that's what I see. Now, maybe people are seeing things that I'm not seeing. So I don't know, John, what you saw um, or have seen. And I mean, I mean, you know, it's like it's like calling me short or calling me bald. I mean, it's, a, you know, it's an odd line to take if you're in your 30s or 40s and you're morbidly obese, you know, to not look in the mirror. I can't do anything about my hairline or my height. You know, here you are with, you know, your your 40 waist. And you're calling me for shit I can't control. That's 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 different to me than, well, you're you know, your wife is incredibly attractive. What the fuck's going on? That's a fair you know. It's fair. I you know. It's tough but fair, so to speak. And you know, so yes, I, that's been going on for. I mean, Anna Marie and I have been together for twelve years, so it's been going on a long time. Um, I don't really care. You know, I. I I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I guess that's it. I guess I don't. But if somebody were to take a shot at my son, that's a different ball game, and I haven't seen that. And I almost, if it is going on, I don't want to see it. So I don't know if that's what you're saying. If anything, I would say that the stuff is is complimentary regarding specifically uh, my wife's appearance and my son's appearance. I really think the pictures would be better, and I mean this seriously. If somehow I were uh, I were off to the side and be like, "Oh, what a lovely mother, and what a beautiful child." Oh no, there is the short bald guy ruining the picture. So I kind of like, "Ah, it wouldn't be a bad idea if I'm if I'm out of the pictures." I I think there's been something, and I don't know how it. It's one of those things that if it's tough to say. This is where I would really appreciate Gangster Pete uh, being here, but I'm sitting in a room. Uh, doing the podcast and it's not possible for him to be here but it's one of those things that it's tough to explain unless you've been in this chair 
and by that I mean my seat, in that you're almost dehumanized. You're not viewed as a, as a part. Like, I'll participate in conversations. I always would call it third-personing. I'm active in a conversation, whether it be on Facebook or Twitter, and then people start talking about me like I'm not in the room, and I'm actually in the th- I'm actually in the thread talking, like I'm third person. Yeah, like how about this with Tim? And I'm like, dude, I'm in the comment right above. Like, I don't get it. I don't get it. But then at the same time, I the, the analogy I used use this analogy earlier. The way that we would talk about, for example, the Cardinals when we're in studio in our little safe garden in in Kirkwood. Versus how we talk about the Cardinals when we're at the picnic table, when they could possibly hear us. They're two different things. I mean, I got to call it. I mean, it's so, you know, I don't know what the right term would it be for it. Um, and it's not really a double standard. It's just a change in behavioral pattern. So if I were there, if I were standing there, just like what we talked about with Drew Bader's email about uh, respecting people and how it changed. People wouldn't say that, you know, for the most, unless I knew them and they were friends. And we we're just kind of busting balls. But like a stranger wouldn't say. And if a stranger did say it, you'd kind of be like, oh, that's a fucking weird thing to say. So I guess when you strip it down, somebody I don't know commenting on a family picture of mine, I guess, I don't know, like in a, like in a weird, like negative way, I guess that's, you know, but I'm, but I'm used to it. So it, it doesn't mean that it's good or bad. I'm used to it. Would I do it? Would I like drop by like I follow? I don't even know who the hell I would follow. And like, you know, oh my fuck, I don't even know who the hell I follow. I, I feel like I'm naming adult stars. That's who I follow. Who do I follow? That I don't know. Joe Rogan, I guess. I don't even know if I follow him anymore. But just as an example. And like he posted a picture of his family. And like I'm like, oh, that's great, Joe. Sorry about your, your wife being hot and you're bald. Ah. You know, no. And I don't really know the, you know, the makeup of that thought, but whatever it's, but I think, I think it's about, I make fun of the fact that I'm short. I make fun of the fact that I am bald. And so people listening feel like they can do the same. And so, like I said, that's cool. That's, that's part of, that's part of the reindeer games. If it were about my wife or my son or another family member, my brothers or sister or my parents or something like that, or my wife's parents, that's a different deal. I'm, you know, I'm, you know, I'm out there and that's just kind of the way that it works. So I appreciate the question. It's a fair question, you know, because if anything, it it humanizes me, um, which is, you know, the way that it is. So I appreciate it. I like, I like the thought process behind it, but it's not, this isn't new, um, so, you know, I get it. I understand it. And it's, it's not a, uh, it's not a, it's not a big deal. Hey, I want to make sure I tell people this. Seth Goldcamp has an incredible deal going on for, uh, our audience, especially if you would fall into the category of one of the following roles in 2020, uh, a veteran nurse, doctor, law enforcement, firefighter, free furnace tune-up to make sure your heating system is operating safely this winter. No strings attached. No other purchase necessary. Design Air just wants to thank all these frontline workers for their extraordinary efforts in 2020. To schedule your free tune-up or to get more information about the rebate, please visit designairservice.com. I am a Design Air client, and I recommend you become one as well. It's Design Air Heating and Cooling, designairservice.com. Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis Online at restoration1ofcentralstlouis.com. Anytime you are having any water damage in your home or a need for mold remediation, call 314-888-5266. 314-888-5266. It's Jim Rogers of Restoration One of Central St. Louis. Online at restoration1ofcentralstlouis.com. Jim Rogers, a great sponsor here of the Tim McKernan Show. Um, let's see what we got here. COVID, saying the word off the bat so you can fade this if you want to immediately. I know I shared my experience with COVID with you a while back, and while I certainly have many opinions on the subject, I think as a whole our country has missed the mark in one area to the point that it makes me want to bang my head against a wall. Encouraging exercise, proper diet, and wellness. It's never talked about. Instead, we're told to hunker down, abandon all ye hope, 
and we will therefore hopefully avoid the virus. So maybe this will serve as a PSA. Prior to my contracting COVID, I had made myself fairly active again. For perspective, while asthmatic, I chose to move forward with playing competitive sport and began keeping myself active at the gym when not at practices. I 100% believe I got through COVID, which by all means was not some cakewalk, because I had been active and paying attention to what I put in my body. Now for the flip side of the coin, with COVID, I was sedentary out of both necessity and requirement for two plus weeks. Tack on another three weeks after that of me just eating and drinking whatever I wanted with little exercise. Well, I got sick again with a bad sinus infection. I immediately wanted to cry COVID, but upon looking in the mirror and seeing my face looking like a pimple that was ready to pop, I realized I needed to get my ass back in gear. Went to the gym five to six days a week, monitored my diet, shout out my fitness pal app in a balanced, non-restrictive way. Gotta still have pizza night, right? Got outdoors more to fish instead of hitting the PlayStation for hours. Well, six weeks later, I'm down about 20 pounds, still with work to do, and haven't fallen victim to usual infections I'd get. This shit does make a difference, and it infuriates me that zero elected leaders, officials, or public health departments have placed in any emphasis on general health and wellness in addition to COVID guidelines. Not to generalize too much, but the vast majority of younger COVID patients who die commonly look unhealthy when the news flashes their picture across the screen. It's tragic, but we shouldn't sit here and avoid calling spade a spade. It's irresponsible to just act like our general health as a country hasn't played a huge role in this virus kicking our collective asses. Sorry for the book report on what I learned from COVID. And finally, I urge anyone who gets and recovers from this thing to donate plasma. You could save a life and get to watch films such as Con Air while doing so. Thank you. That comes from the great Carlos Spicy, when you're one of the greatest emailers in the history of the Ryan Kelly Morning After. Well, I think you're right on target, Carlos Spicy Wiener. Um, I don't have a whole lot to add, even though I probably will wander off down some dark alley of my thought, um, because when this thing started, um, and uh, it was, uh, um, you know, it was debated as to whether or not it was really serious. And, And by the way, is the book closed on that now? Is that closed like, even for the people who sent me hate mail, like, real, like, I'm not talking about, like, fuck you, that's stupid. I'm talking about, like, real fucking angry, like, vicious hate mail. Or is everybody now going, okay, I was wrong? I, and I, I know people don't say that I was wrong. I'm not talking about me, because I've been wrong about, like, a shitload of stuff this year. But I'm talking about in general. It's not in vogue, especially for, like, an office. You're a host of talk show to say, yeah, I was wrong on that. Are we, are we there now? Are we there now? Or is it, are we still... And I'm, a, and I'm asking. I, I would imagine that everybody's there now. Like, even if you were skeptical at the outset or you thought that it might have something to do with the presidential election. Are we past that? I don't know. I, I don't know. I'm asking. Because um, I really don't know. Um, when I first was talking I, about it in, in March, I, it didn't feel like a political topic. And then it became a political topic. And then I just stopped talking about it on the radio show. Um, so with that all said, one of the things we were talking about at the very beginning, the moment that this thing became real to TMA and our audience was Michael Osterholm's interview on Joe Rogan. And that I remember that day I was in Jupiter. Um, and it just was like, holy shit, you know, either this guy is really wrong or we are really fucked. And I had received an email or text one or the other from a guy I know um, from St. Louis, but who lives in in, in Florida, um, who said, "Listen, you may want to think about leaving as soon as possible because there is a chance that you know things get really bad here really soon." I've talked to some people in medical and tech, and this guy was in a position to be talking to people in medical and tech, um, and all hell's about to break loose. And I was just like, and then for me, I was like, what? You know, I was like, I, I was out hitting golf balls an hour earlier, not even thinking about it. Uh, and I think 48, 72 hours later, NBA, Major League Baseball, Players Championship, all these things just were scrapped. And it's, that, that, that week will always be, you know, it will always have it. No matter what, I think it's one of those things people will remember um, where they were. But one of the things was, Osterholm said, and a number of people were, were saying, doctors, that the United States is more susceptible, and it had nothing to do with President Trump, uh, because of a high number of smokers 
and a high percentage of the population being obese. And the only person, but, I, but when I say this, you know, I want to put it in proper context. It's not like I'm out there looking for it. But the only person who has said it in my selected world of podcasts or television shows or articles is Bill Maher with regard to the health of the American people, the lack of fitness overall of the American people. Um, but I also, I also feel like, and he did do it recently when he talked about it, that it's not, it's not, it's not as simple as, well, if you're fat, you're lazy. Cause that's, that's not accurate. It's just not accurate. It's just not accurate. Now, if you want to go, okay, if you have a bunch of money and you have free time and you're fat, now I can start seeing the case, but you still don't know what the medical conditions are. But the reality is most people don't fall into that category. There are other reasons. And uh, having a bunch of time or having an ability to have certain kinds of meals uh, or be able to have the flexibility financially to go, okay, well, I'm going to make sure I only eat, you know, this and it's only, you know, it's got this many proteins and this many grams of carbohydrates and also just a lack of knowledge. But it's a real thing. However, I agree with Carlos Spicy in his email. It's not talked about. And why isn't it talked about? Well, this is my theory. Maybe unpopular. I don't know. Doesn't matter. This is what I think. Um, I think there is such a hesitation for whatever reason to talk about the problem with obesity for fear of it being called fat shaming and I don't I, it, it's 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 bizarro world to me now there is such a thing as fat shaming but <laughs> but there is a difference between fat shaming and properly informing and I, I again it's not like I'm like listening to hundreds of podcasts and reading thousands of articles but to me, this was one of the things at the very beginning. And by the way, I, you know, Carlos Spicewiner, you didn't mention smoking. Um, before all of this happened, why the United States was susceptible. And it wasn't, hey, because of President Trump. Now, you may be of the opinion that he contributed to it. But I'm not talking about that at this moment because this was before the president dug in. This was back in early March. And it was because of obesity which President Trump had nothing to do with, and it was because of a high percentage of smokers relative to many other countries with this kind of obesity. And President Trump didn't really do that, and this is coming from somebody who's not a fan of President Trump. But still, I, my, the reason why I want to present it is it's got to be honest, and this is honest. But yet, I think on the left, it's a lot easier to go, well, fucking Donald Trump, and then just go, fucking Donald Trump, as opposed to, Something that they go, oh, well, we can say it, but then it's kind of like, then we're fat shaming. But it's not fat shaming. It's a real thing. It's a real thing. And I also think a number of times people do want to get in better shape or they do want to lose weight, but they either might not have the ability to from the time standpoint or from the knowledge standpoint. Oh, I'm going to drink diet soda. That'll be better. And I guess by definition, it's less bad. But I would, I, can I really call it better? But I'm sure there are a number of people who are listening to this right now. I used to drink it. Dr drank it like fucking, I have not, and it's not a brag. It's just, I'm like, yeah, I got to stop. It's just got to stop. It's not, a, it's not a positive. So I haven't had a drop of soda in 2020. Um, but I drink vitamin water zero. So I'm sure plenty of people go, well, that's no fucking better. Um, Fat-free, low-carb, whatever, whatever these things are. Um, you met Carlos Spicy Winner, you mentioned my fitness pal. That, to me, that holds you accountable to see how many calories you ate. You can't, I mean, I guess you can go, well, I guess I'm going to say I only ate, you know, two pieces of pizza when we all know I ate five because it's going to matter on the math and you're going to see how many calories it is. And everybody has a certain amount of calories they can, they burn off each day. Um, and then once you go above that, you're going to put on weight. But the overall premise regarding COVID, I could not agree more with. And that is health, day-to-day -day health. Now, that doesn't mean A will therefore equal B. If you are overweight, you are going to get COVID and be more susceptible. That's just not accurate. That's not the case. Um, 
but it is, I think, a factor that doesn't get the attention that it deserves. And while we are combating it and or hoping for a virus or some solution that makes this thing a year from now some semblance of a memory, what Carlos Spicywiener is presenting here with his email is that while we are waiting, we can do something about it. And again, Carlos Spicy Winner's talking about going to the gym five to six times a week. A lot of people don't have that, that, that ability to do that. That's just reality. But to know that if you wanted to go for a walk or go, okay, I got to cut this out. I, I, I got to get under 2,000 calories per day so I can start losing weight. There are things that you can do um, that helps you if you were to get it, put you in a better chance of coming out on the other side of it just fine. Some of it, though, it doesn't matter. You could be a victim and have a bad beat, and you may be immunocompromised. I have sarcoidosis, um, which when I went to get been tested three times now, uh, and I told one of the nurses I had sarcoidosis, she's like, oh, we got to get you a chest X-ray because that could make you more susceptible. I could be more susceptible. And, you know, it, it just it, everybody's got their own situations. So it's important not to judge an individual, I think, if one wants to, God bless, you know, to each their own. But I do agree with the overall premise that the element of health, day-to-day individual health, for whatever reason, has not been discussed. And it was something that we knew on the front end was going to be an issue. And this includes smoking. This includes smoking. Um, so I think, that's, I think it's an outstanding email. And even though I said I didn't have much to add to it there, I went 10 minutes on the whole thing. All right. Since I am on vacation, I'm going to cut it right there. Um, have some that are still saved for next week. You're always welcome to send in more. T. McKernan at InsideSTL.com. Questions, comments, opinions, erotic stories. Everything is welcome. Um, I'll be back in St. Louis next week. Gangster Pete will rejoin me for questions from the audience. Thank you, as always, to our sponsors for making it possible. Ryan Kelly, the home loan expert, online at thehomeloanexpert.com. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. A great guy. Major recommendation If you are looking for somebody, he is my recommendation. Mark Hanna, Evergreen Wealth Strategies, online at evergreenstl.com. Jim Rogers, Restoration One of centralstlouis.com. And then also James Carlton of the Carlton State Farm Insurance Agency. Seth Goldcamp of Design Air Heating and Cooling, online at designairservice.com. And Jamie Burkhardt and Clayton Patterson with Munganess, stlouisacura.com, altontoyota.com. Thank you to all the listeners. Thank you to all the sponsors. I'm Tim McKernan. This has been another edition of the Tim McKernan Show on the Inside STL Podcast Network from the HomeLoanExpert.com studios. Peloton, let's go. This holiday, with the right music and the right motivation from world-class instructors. We're going to pick it up a notch. It's the holiday season. You might just surprise yourself with what you're capable of. Work out to thousands of live and on-demand classes, from running to cycling to yoga. Try Peloton risk-free with a 30-day home trial. New members only, not available in remote locations. See additional terms at onepeloton.com slash home dash trial. Peloton, motivation that moves you.